Welcome back to another episode of Talent Talk. Whatever your listening preference, you can find our feature interviews on YouTube, Spotify, iTunes, TuneIn, Stitcher, and of course on unfospreys.com. Don't miss our chats with student athletes, coaches, alumni, and Ospreys and the pros. Now, let's get to today's episode. Welcome back. It's edition number 47 of Talent Talk. Our last edition, we had the, we had the head men's soccer coach. Today, we got the head women's soccer coach. Eric, how you doing? Rock doing well. How are you doing? I'm great. It's always good to talk to you, Eric. Um, give a little uh, synopsis of uh, where you guys are at, what the last couple months have been. Uh, it's the winter right now. It's a different time for you. Yeah, it's, it's been interesting because we came, you know, when we reported back in August, there was a small little sliver of hope that we were going to play, you know, so we brought the players in and, you know, but uh, within a day or two, we knew that wasn't going to happen. So it had a kind of, we, we had planned for that, you know, that, uh, you know, potentially we wouldn't have a season in the fall. So we had a plan for the, for the fall, um, you know, to hopefully have a spring season, which we looks like we'll have, um, you know, but it was definitely interesting, you know, and no one's ever been through it before. So I, I really talked to a lot of different coaches in different sports, uh, mostly soccer coaches, but some, some football coaches I know and some basketball coaches I know just to see what they were doing, how they were going to approach uh, the daily uh, process of uh, running a program in a pandemic. Right? And mm-hmm. uh, she had a lot of good ideas and uh, implemented some things that we thought would work for us. And, uh, you know, overall, I, you know, we, I, I, I give a lot of credit to our players and, and um, for how they handled it, but also our staff here at UNF, as far as the administration and, and uh you know, sports medicine and strength and conditioning, everybody worked hand in hand to get through and, and give our, our, our student athletes a chance to get out on the field and, and, and get ready for the spring. Mm-hmm. What's been really helpful for you guys to try to keep a level of cohesion during this time? Uh, obviously, Zoom and doing those types of things, but is there anything specific to you guys, you think? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, what we just try to do is we got to find new ways to communicate. Um, I'm really about, I, I love meeting with our players. I love spending time with them. And so we wanted to limit our contact, you know, as much as we possibly could outside the playing field. So finding new ways to communicate was probably something that we've been trying to work on. And I think what we've also done is our players have done a good job of, um, of grouping those players and being able to work with each other and communicate with each other. Um, and, and knowing we talked about every day that what we're doing is different and, um, you know, how we react to that on a daily basis. And, uh, you know, I think the biggest thing for us was every day, every day was different. And so we had new challenges every day, you mm-hmm. know, um, and I think, you know, we just told our, our, our student athletes that we just got to be able to work through them and understand, you know, uh, you know, things are going to be different, but um, you know, I'm like, again, like I'm really big on communication and players spending time with the players, building those relationships, um, having our players spend time with each other and we couldn't do those things. And mm-hmm. so we had to find different ways to do that, but I think we did a pretty good job of approaching it. Um, and I think in the long run, what's really developed is I think some players were able to form relationships with players maybe they didn't have a strong relationship with before because we just had to do things differently. So you weren't always in your, um, we try to make sure they weren't always in the same groupings and, and try to get them to know each other a little bit. I think that's really benefited us. Uh, as, as far as when you were able to get on the field and the times that you guys can scrimmage, um, what was that adjustment like for you as a coach? What were some of the changes that you had to make when you were in the middle of instruction? How did you have to go about that? Whether it was obviously distancing from them or getting the same content to them. Um, Yeah. It's, it's hard out here sometimes because you know, we're out here at Hodges. It's, it's windy. The weather mm -hmm. conditions play a factor. So we, our staff stayed away from each other. 
mm-hmm. as we trained. And, and even in the office, you know, obviously we met, if we did meet, we were social distance, we met virtually. So that was a weird dynamic. Um, um, making sure, you know, as far as communicating with the players, you know, trying to stay a distance, I didn't get kind of in, into the middle. I, I kind of stayed on the outside and try to coach from there, which is not what I really typically like to do. I like to kind of mm-hmm. get in there with the players. So I can see things and kind of coach within the activities that we're doing. So those were some changes there, I think, were, that were different. Um, and then I think the biggest thing was you're always constantly thinking about, you know, the things you just mentioned. Yeah. You know, in a training session, which you would normally not think about, like, mm-hmm. hey, don't stand so close to so-and-so or you guys need it. So we, you know, we kind of worked out a system when we're off the field, the, the distances you needed to be. But you know, occasionally we needed reminders. And I think that's, I mean, I, it, those are the type of things that, it was an added layer to just going out there and running your training session for the day sure. and um, making sure when we were taking breaks, uh, we, we asked our players to mask. They had the mask around their, you know, the necks during when we were training. And as soon as they stopped, they pulled them up. So we took a little bit more probably cautious approach to it. Um, so, but when they were off the field getting water or whatever, they were, they had their masks on and then mm-hmm. we let them come back and, and some, you know, and, and kind of deal with it that way. But sure. yeah, just something that you never expected you'd go through and you kind of learn. And then you talk to other sports and it's interesting when you see other sports, like what happened in Denver with the quarterback situation, things like that, you know, you start to think like, you know, how do you distance certain groups of players so you can keep on moving forward if mm-hmm. something does go wrong and trying to think out that side. And I think that's something that you know, a lot of other sports um, and other coaches have thought these things through. You just kind of share ideas, what works, what doesn't work. And I think that's kind of been our, our main approach. Yeah, that's been one of the biggest things, I think, for anybody I've talked to. And I know for myself is you have that normal energy pool that you need to do your normal work. But now some of that goes to those little details like separating certain people. So if something does go wrong, we have a contingency plan or yeah, managing and I, mass and all those right. things. It's a you lot of energy. About all those things. And we're going to think about those things going into the season because mm-hmm. obviously, you know, we're still going to be dealing with this uh, mm-hmm. moving forward, but you're right. I mean, it's, it was something that we, um, you know, if we felt like we put our, if our, if we had some you know information, maybe that we felt like some of our players perhaps, you know, were exposed or something like that. We shut down um, in the, inside of the air of caution. So we shut down mm-hmm. three times just for very temporary periods, mm-hmm. but we're able to restart because we were tested and everything was fine. But you know, it didn't want to take that chance that something was going to spread through it. And so you got to kind of think all those things out. I think that's where you get yourself in trouble a little bit. If you try to, you know, as soon as you know something, you got to make a decision and say, hey, you know what, even though we could continue going and we're, we're probably fine, let's pause and mm-hmm. see what's going on. And so that's what we did. And we managed to get through the entire uh, uh, fall in, in pretty good shape. So, um, you know, and, and now the next challenge is, can you do it here yeah. in the spring when we got games and, and things like that? Because as you can, have you seen Brock, you know, throughout the country um, in every sport, soccer, football, basketball, it, it, it's a daily, it's a daily thing. So you have to deal with it every day. Right. And you got to be on your feet. I mean, even looking at the football world, for example, that BYU Coastal Carolina game, something like that, where it's it's like a it's like a pop up game. It just kind of appears and you put the pieces together and it's kind of when you know the back end, it's kind of magical that that stuff can get pulled off. You know, Um, truly it is. It's so much work. And you know that uh, as well as anybody. Um, 
So I, you know, I've talked to coach Gibbs, talked to coach Marinato. Some of them, they've mentioned, yeah, I, I, you know, I read a little bit more than I ever have. I've done this or that kind of picked up on something. Uh, was there anything that you, Devin or Morgan kind of did on your own time that you normally wouldn't have because of COVID? Yeah. I mean, back when, you know, back in April and May and you're kind of sitting around and you can't come to work and you kind of, um, I, you know, I, I, I did a lot of um, things with uh, other coaches. We did a lot of Zoom calls on leadership culture, building culture, sharing ideas. And it's really cool. It's something that um, I've always been proud of is the culture we've created in, our, in the programs I've been involved with. And uh, But then to hear other perspectives or, or hear people want to hear how you do it because they've heard that maybe you do a good job with that area. So, um, you know, I, I did a lot of those, uh, more than I probably wanted to, but like it was so interesting to have coaches, um, not only from soccer, but other sports because you don't typically interact with, coaches mm -hmm. from other sports. And so um, I was on some calls where there were coaches with basketball or lacrosse and just sharing ideas about how um, you create a, cult, a positive culture, a winning culture. How you, and I think the biggest thing is how you sustain it. You know, mm -hmm. how does it year to year, how do your players um, understand that, you know, the culture they're creating is going to be there after they leave and the players that come in the program, see the culture and they, as they get older, they continue to make that move forward. So, um, you know, I, I really thought that was really a, a good time well spent, um, you know, in that. And I'm also, I, I always trying to learn more about the game. I mean, I'm, I'm always sharing ideas there, watching things, reading books. Uh, um, but I, I, I'm big into looking at how other people do things, how you can take business organizational principles of managing mm -hmm. people and use it in sport. Mm -hmm. And so that's kind of what I always, uh, Kind of work on and, and then you know how can it work here and then try to develop plans to implement those type of things and uh our staff is all into that as well so we all kind of share that ideal um and we share ideas amongst that but i think that's kind of how i spent my time uh, just trying to better myself and, and things i can do to uh, learn yeah never never can uh, get enough information but it's kind of overwhelming in today's world for sure it's like we're what which one do i choose i have so much so little time how much can i get in um for you where do you go to get uh insight is it you know books are you a reader do you like to watch in, uh, videos online youtube videos documentaries um, whatever it is a little bit of both yeah you know? i love twitter by the way because mm -hmm. I, I i'll i'll listen i see, see you something. on there yeah, yeah I, I see something I like sometimes, or there's a lot of soccer content, obviously being a world sport. I mean, you know, um, there's this great content on Twitter and people share it. And so a lot of times I'll just get into a link and start reading something from something in Europe and, or, you know, it could be a tactical thing or it could be a management of, of, of a team or just those type of things. But um, so I, I kind of a lot of times find things that interest me on there and then kind of dive into it when I see a link I can go on to and look at. And so, um, you know, I think that's been beneficial uh, in that. Um, and then just, you know, I've built up some good relationships over the years, with a lot of different people that love to share ideas. And so, but I, I do all that. I watch videos, I read, um, you know, um, I, I like to talk to other people and kind of um, and do those type of things. But just sometimes I get on Twitter a lot and I'll see something I really do like, and it could be a tactical article and I'll get into it and it may just, start to make myself want to research that more mm -hmm. and find uh, other avenues to find out more information about it. So that's kind of how I kind of, kind of look at things. Uh, kind of going off of that, a lot of varied interest. Uh, some for the people that don't know kind of your background before you got into sports, uh, we've talked about this before. You did quite a different, quite a few things. Uh, 
what were some of those things that you ventured into? Yeah, I mean, um, I, I've always had a passion for sport and uh, obviously soccer, it was my, my biggest passion. And I, and I did some coaching when I was younger in, in, in college and high school and club and some things like that. But um, I was a political science major, so I initially got involved in politics. So I, I worked on some campaigns. Um, I worked for a United States senator for a few years, which is a, was interesting and um, allowed me to meet a lot of uh, people and see a lot of things that I, to, to this day, I'm just amazed that I got to do. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, that was interesting and fun. And uh, I, I worked in, involved in the Florida legislature a little bit. And then I had an opportunity to, um, this is, you know, just totally get out of that industry. It was kind of a weird thing, but a friend of mine was involved with a minor league professional indoor soccer league. Um, as you know, Brock, indoor, soccer leagues in general in America don't do well. Indoor soccer leagues typically don't do very well. But um, I, I, I said, hey, that sounds like something that we could find kind of fun. And uh, the league lasted two seasons, but that kind of got me from politics into sports. And so I was a deputy commissioner of a professional league for two years. Uh, and that was a pretty cool experience as well. So, you know, and I was about 28, I think, years old at that point. And then uh, a friend of mine was coaching at a small NAIA school near Tallahassee, where I was living, and uh, asked me if I could come up and help. And, and lo and behold, the president of the school liked me and wanted to start a women's soccer program. And that's how I kind of got into coaching at the college level. So I was coaching high school and club, but I was working in politics for a good chunk of my 20s. Um, and then a professional indoor league for two years and then got into college coaching. So it's not your typical go be a uh, graduate assistant or, you know, I was at my first college job was, a, was really other than one year as a goalkeeper coach for one or three months. Um, I've been a head coach ever since for the most part. So that is just kind of unique. We kind of look back at what you thought you were going to do. I thought I was going to go to Washington DC and work in, in, in that area. And then uh, here I am, you know, many years later working in sport, but I wouldn't change it. I, I love it. It's been, it's been fantastic. Uh, do you do your players know that kind of background or yeah, they ever you know, ask you about uh, it? Yeah, some of them do. And then it, it kind of with um, obviously with the, this year being obviously politics being in the forefront for most of 2020 that it, it came up one day at training and they were they, they were amazed that I worked for a United States senator. That, that was that to them that blew their minds. And so and then some of the things I was able to do, I met I met Nelson Mandela. Um, I went to an inauguration where I was like within you know, maybe 15 rows back of the inaugural. Um, we got to go to an inaugural ball. Um, and, and I just think that you know, I was 24 years old or 23 years old. And to me, that was just almost overwhelming. Um, so they loved that. They, they thought that was really cool that that was a, a part of my life because, you know, both of my assistants have gone into coaching immediately. And so and then they, they the next question is, how did you how did you get, you know, you know, into college coaching? And I kind of explained that route, too. So, you know, just, uh, you know, one thing I always did when I was younger is I was always willing to find experience, no matter how I could do it. Um, and so I, you know, I volunteered a lot of a lot of time in trying to open doors. And I think that's something a lot of people don't want to do a lot because they just want to they want to have a job. And I get it. Everybody wants to get paid. But. I think because I was willing to do those things, it opened so many different doors. I volunteered on some campaigns, which led to a job with a U.S. Senator. Um, I volunteered as a goalkeeper coach, which led to a head women's coaching job. So things like that sometimes 
um, you know, it really helped me. But my first coaching job, I, I met a friend of mine who's my mentor, Andy Warner in Tallahassee, uh, made me coach four and five-year-olds for about six months before he would actually let me coach anything resembling um, an older soccer player because he wanted to see how committed I was because most people would quit. They would do it for a few weeks and they couldn't do it. He had me go through a six-week cycle with four-year-olds. I thought then after that I was done. And then he said, come back on Tuesday. And I'm like, cool. He's going to give me like a U17 boys team or something to coach. And I got five-year-olds for the next six weeks. Um, but he wanted to see how, you know, that I was really wanting to learn as a coach. I didn't know a lot. I thought I did, but I didn't. And um, he made me do that for a while. So I, I said my first experience, like I, I coached four and five-year-olds at one point when I was really young. So I think the big thing is, you know, you got to go out there and you got you to make your own way and you got to be willing to do things. And so uh, mm -hmm. you and I have talked about, I was a sports information yeah. director, my first job as well as a soccer coach and did some broadcasting and things mm -hmm. at my uh, at Armstrong when I was there because I had to fill in a lot for mm -hmm. women's basketball. And I love all that stuff. So yeah. Uh, no, I just, it's, it, it is interesting, but my players really thought that was pretty cool that, especially I worked for a nice state Senator. They, they thought that was, they were pretty, pretty excited to hear that. Yeah. Jack of all trades, Eric. I mean, that, that's, uh, that's a lot <laughs> uh, of no, different this things. Spring, I mean, I'll be coaching, but you're probably going to ask me to fill in somewhere, right? Is that what <laughs> you, you, you read my mind. I was just going to follow up with that. I was like, you never know, Eric, I might need you to broadcast a softball yeah, game. I need a few, yeah. So I've done softball. So I, uh, I could see uh, you doing it. You know, there, yeah. I'm, I have no doubts of it at all. So that's the scary <laughs> thing. You know, you think it's funny right now, but <laughs> yeah. you might, you might end up doing it. Um, so uh, looking back to last year, uh, you guys had a, a great season, uh, a record-setting season, and a lot of success. Um, looking forward to this, this upcoming season. Um, it's a long time to try to carry that momentum, but uh, how do you approach yeah. this year? Um, you know, yeah, I, mean, we, we, I, I was really happy with what we did last year. It wasn't mm -hmm. maybe the ending we wanted. Um, our team never really been in a position where maybe being expected to do something is, is a little different mm -hmm. than the end. I always say it's always easier to be the hunter. Because mm -hmm. um, if, you, if you win, you're the hero. If you don't, people all you weren't supposed to, right? So like when you're the underdog, it's great when you get a, a win because you're the underdog. You know, if you don't win, well, they weren't supposed to win anywhere it's much harder when the expectations start to get higher in a program. And that's why sustaining winning is so difficult. Um, you know, and so our expectations have kind of changed. Um, you know, I benefited from a couple of things. Um, I think Robin Comfort did a very good job of kind of flipping this program and getting it headed in the right direction. And then I was able to spend a little bit of time with her in that process. So I knew these, these players that are currently our seniors were with me when I got here. Um, and they kind of really bought into what, um, where we wanted to take the program and Robin gave me a lot of leeway on, in helping that culture change. And so I, I really benefited from that. Um, which, so it's not like coming into a program where you had no idea what was going on. I already knew the players, but then we, what we needed to do is obviously is, is through recruiting and continual player development is just, you know, what's our next step. How do we take this group that's really changed this program from being, you know, a program that was struggling a lot to a program that was always competitive. And those, those freshmen at the time made that happen. And so I think that's something that, that we were, that we were, that we were excited about because those girls, those players are seniors now. And so they understand what we want in that cultural change. And we were pretty excited to play, you know, 
get, get, get going in August. And so uh, we felt like we have um, the good thing for our team is we return most of our starting lineup. Um, so, you know, we are, I think, a mature team. And I think that's helped us during this time. It's allowed us to work, continue to work on our development. But it's also, I think, allowed our freshman class, which we love. Our players love them. They're fantastic. They're talented. They're hardworking. They're great teammates. To not feel like they're so rushed. Because as a freshman, you come in in soccer and you got two weeks to prove yourself. Basically, you have a game. And that could be very overwhelming. Some, some can handle it. And some, it's, it takes a process. Without that pressure, and I, I goes across for everybody, I think an entire team, without that pressure of having to earn a spot right away or compete right away, we just played a lot and we taught a lot. And it, we played at a really high level, everybody. And so I think because no one thought like, you know, well, I got to try to beat this player out. I have to do this. And, and we had more time. And so I think that's really been the benefit is our, our freshmen have developed and they're comfortable with our team and what we expect. Um, we've, we've seen who our leaders are. We've had some transfers and they've adapted really well to what we're trying to do. And all those things have really come together. So we're pretty optimistic. I mean, you know, we know that last year we, I think we were picked to finish like seventh or something like that. We ended up fourth, but we were one win out of first, you know, and we have lost a couple of games, you know, overtime against Gulf Coast, the last second goal against Lipscomb. We win one of those, we, we win a championship, one game, you know, and so I, it's a matter of seconds. And our team knows that. And so I think we're excited about the expectation and they want to raise that expectation. And, you know, so we want to do something that hasn't been done in this women's program since they were in the division two area and that's win championships and win, and win the conference and, and go to the NCAA tournament. So, you know, we feel like we have a team that has a lot of experience. We feel like we've added some other pieces um, through transfers and some, some of our freshman class that, we're extremely deep and we feel like we're going to hopefully be a factor, but ultimately you have to do it on the field. And so um, we understand that, but I thought we had a really, really good fall. Like a, we were very pleased with our the players, their development, their attitude, their work ethic. They came to work every day. That's e They could have easily not done that with all the distractions going on. They, they came every day. Um, we maybe had one or two sessions where I thought weren't great the entire fall. And that's hard to do. Um, that's a credit to them because they, they love playing soccer and they believe in what we're doing. And so we're, we're, we're excited about getting out there in, in January and hopefully uh, hitting the field and, and, and see what we can do. Um, it's going to be different, you know, just uh, a lot of it, but, um, you know, but we're, we're ready. So as, as far as a coach, you can probably look at the calendar year and say, January, I do this, March, I do this, June, I do this, September, I do this. And you look at the year and you kind of base the calendar off of your season and off of when you recruit or when you're doing this with training, all that's kind of thrown out the window this year. Um, how have you adjusted and what are, are you multitasking? How are, you know, cause right now you're probably, it means a lot to recruit at this time of year or, or do whatever it's you do in that right area. Now, cause we're in a dead yeah. period. We um, right. spent this past weekend watching right. videos of mm -hmm. teams playing live in South Carolina and watching them on video. And it's definitely made a, the process harder, but we basically took the, we took the calendar. We've been doing this since we got here. We renamed the months. So we are in December right now, but really we're, we're, we're in July. And that's how I've told the players is we're, you know, when we were in November, we were in June. So in their minds, they can kind of correlate that to, okay, well, August is go time, right? So January is go time for us. January is August. It'll be a lot cooler. 
Um, but that's how we looked at it. I, it's really worked for us because in their minds, this is, this is, no one's ever done this. So we felt like for them to understand, you know, when you're starting to really crush uh, fitness and, you know, and you're getting ready to prepare, you know, that July is that month, you know, June's that month. Those are the months where you're getting ready for August. You got to put that work in. And so we've kind of just said, you know, that's how we refer to it. So this is, you know, it's, you know, I guess Christmas in July, right? But that's kind of how we've looked at it. So we, when we get to, you know, January, that's August for us. And that's, and that's, you know, that's how we've approached it. Um, and it's kind of worked that way. So it's because if you look at it, you kind of lose sight that we're going to play, you know, we start, you know, practice right here at the beginning of the month and next month, and then we have a game in February. So if you don't look at it that way, it takes it a little bit different. I think the other unique thing is going to be is playing a season, then having a few months and then playing another season. Um, because that's, you know, again, we'll have, it's not football. We have enough time to recover, but realistically you're going to end sometime in April and you're going to kick back going and, and, um, in August and try to figure out how that, that rhythm will work will be interesting as well. Um, but that's kind of how we've approached, uh, going, you know, looking at, looking at the preparation for the spring. A little life hack there, kind of renaming the months. I mean, that's kind of in our field as well. It's just kind of been the same thing. You can kind of get lulled to sleep and think this is a time of year that I do the one particular thing. And now you're like, I gotta, I gotta turn the, the notch here and crank it. November normally be after your season ended. November's yeah. kind of recover for a few weeks yeah. and then maybe slowly get back into it, you know, and, you know, holidays and we kind of give them some time off. So yes, yeah, so you can start thinking those things. And so it's interesting, you know, the holiday break here is different um, mm -hmm. than it's ever been, but we've been really hammering on that. I think that by renaming the months that way, it's really helped them focus mm -hmm. on where we're at and, and on the calendar. Yeah. And, and then speaking on the turnaround time as well, I, I'm a Bulls fan myself and it's been a rough couple of years, but I was <laughs> looking at some social media posts and I saw them shooting around at the United Center and I was confused for a minute. I was like, yeah. wait, why are they already back there? I'm like, oh yeah you know, there it's, it's just such a bizarre turnaround. Yeah. You know? I know the timing cause the NBA yeah. be ready going, you know, yeah. and so he's starting later and, you know, and maybe in the future and then how do you, eventually, how do you get back on track? Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and the professional sports are, I think are a little bit, going to be a little bit harder because they're going to, at some point they're going to have a much shorter off season to start back on when they start. And I think that's going to be the, especially for basketball, you know, I think that's going to be in, in hockey, but um, for us, I, you know, it's, it's, it's going to be a little bit different, um, you know, cause you know, I have two schedules here I got, and it's been changing constantly, yeah. but I have a, you know, a spring and, I, and sometimes I lose sight and dates and stuff, but I have a spring schedule and a fall schedule and, you know, they're different and you're trying to get ready for one season, but you're also thinking about the next one too, because you have to prepare for that as well, you know? And so it, that part's been very interesting. Um, mm -hmm scheduling part and then recruiting has been has been hard I, I i feel for those younger players because it's just really made it difficult for everybody involved but we definitely understand why we're doing it this way and so we just try to make the best of it mm -hmm. uh in terms of uh what days of the week are you guys playing what's kind of the schedule format look like this year yeah i mean early um in non-conference is kind of where you could fit in games just because a there's so many moving pieces and, you know on a campus there's so many different sports so you kind of look at that picture and mm -hmm. you know if you had a basketball game that night you're probably not going to play on that particular day so you had to kind of look at that and then what schools are actually playing non-conference games which conferences are you know you know with starting at different times so you had to kind of piecemeal the non-conference schedule together 
And so that rhythm is a little bit harder. It still has a, for the most part, we have some odd days. We typically don't play on it. I think we have a Tuesday game this year. I don't think we've never had a Tuesday game before. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a little bit different. Um, and then, but once you get in the conference play, it's pretty consistently Saturdays and Sundays. So, you know, once we get into that rhythm, it's going to be um, a lot easier, I think, than the early part of it. And the early part of it was just really, everybody was just kind of, hey, our field isn't available on Saturday. It's only available on Monday, or this is the only days we can play during the week. And so you kind of had to kind of work it that way. And then find teams that were playing because, you know, some teams played some games in the fall and some schools did that and some schools didn't. And again, we're fortunate enough that we can play an out-of-conference schedule um, in addition to some conference games where some other conferences can't do that. So you have to find, you know, who's... And then distance travel-wise, how you limit your travel. So it made a lot of moving parts that were... Um, I, my, the schedule's changed six or seven times in the last couple of weeks, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that part, but, uh, we're excited about what we have. You know, I think, uh, you know, in conference play, we're in divisions this year mm-hmm. and, um, we play everybody twice, uh, home and home. So you're going to see them, you know, two times. Matter of fact, we're going to see Jacksonville three times because we're going to play on the very first game of we both decided that would be a really cool thing to do. Like, why don't you play your crosstown rival at the very first game of the spring season? And we, 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 we kind of decided that uh, coach uh, constable and I over at JU decided that back in uh, October. So we told our players that gave them something to look to, you know, um, and then we'll play again, you know, a month and a half later twice, but uh, you know, stuff like that, you had to be creative to find games to save some uh, resources financially. And so uh, schools have been working together and trying to, to, to do that. So uh, it's going to be it's going to be different for sure. Yeah, I've seen a lot of different sports back ends and the schedules and whatnot. And volleyball, I believe, has the same situation. Three games against JU, typically two. The yeah, it season. just makes sense. And I think that's yeah. kind of where in the future you're going to have to look at those type of things. Yeah. So. You know, we, we, we play some new opponents that maybe we haven't played in a while. Um, we, uh, we play uh, Georgia Southern um, and uh, we, we play a lot of the state schools. So we got FIU, FAU, and we're really excited about uh, University of Florida will be here um, in March as a home game. Wow. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. And that's, in the, you know, kind of in the middle of the conference realm. But I, I, I typically like to break that up a little bit because I think you can get in conference play and some coaches don't like to change that. But particularly for me, I think you get outside the conference, that'll be a huge challenge. But I, um, we're excited about that as well. So, we, you know, I think we have, we have a lot of home games. So we have some opportunities uh, to play it here at Hodges. So we're, we're, we're looking forward to that part. But it's been the schedule has been crazy. It's, yeah. it, it's like every time I write it down and submit it, it changes. And it's yeah. been, I think, you know, there's still probably going to be some changes, you know, with it. It's a living um, document. <laughs> yeah, very much so. And the players kept on asking for, I actually yeah. said to them yesterday, cause I kept on, I said, I can give it to you, but it's going to change like tomorrow. So yeah. we feel pretty good about where we're at. We've got 13 games. Um, I believe seven or eight of them are at home. So, you know, um, and um, you know, from there we're, 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 we're looking forward to that. Always good to catch up, Eric. Is there anything you want to leave with, whether it's touching on the, the preparation for this year or the personnel or anything? Yeah, I mean, I just think the biggest thing for us is, like I said, Brock, I said, you know, we return a lot of starters. Mm-hmm. Um, but the biggest difference, I think, between maybe last year and this year is that, yeah, you know, we return a lot of starters, but there's a lot of people competing to be starters. Mm-hmm. 
And that's what the players have said to us is like, man, it's like too deep in every position. So there's a battle going on, which maybe we didn't necessarily always have. Uh, and I think that's really helped us, um, you know, and so that's kind of a great thing is that we have players that are really pushing each other. And I think they understand that now. I kind of talked about the beginning of this semester. We didn't really talk about competing that much. We wanted to learn, get better um, and create an environment where that was not part of it. But as we got pushing towards the end of the fall, we started making that known that, you know, now we got to kind of understand that there's you know, maybe two players competing in this position or maybe three players competing in this position where maybe before that was a pretty easy decision. Mm-hmm. It's not an easy decision, which is great for a coach because you know that you have a lot of talent that way if you're not sure. And I'm still not sure exactly who is our starting 11. Until the lights come on against Jacksonville, we probably don't know, mm-hmm. you know, because it's great, you know, in training, you can be one way and then sometimes games show a different, but uh, we're, I think the mo- thing we're most excited about is how deep we are as a team where we feel like we could play a lot of players and it doesn't drop off where maybe years past that was somewhat the case. Um, you know, but like I said, you know, you know, the typical players, you know, Thais obviously had a great year last year. We're looking forward to hopefully she can repeat that. Um, and she's gotten better and better every year. And um, she's going to probably have her name etched in the record books here. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Shrey has, but I think she's going to add to that. I, I think a huge addition for us has been a transfer from um, University of Miami, a local product from Bowles High School, uh, Ariana Munoz. Um, she's been phenomenal in, in practice training her work ethic um she's very very creative uh i think she's going to be someone who can really really have a really good season and make a huge difference for us um but there's been lots of ple- pleasant surprises right down the line i think we're really happy with everybody on our roster and how much they've really developed and um we talk about winning a championship i some coaches don't like to talk about that i always feel like you got to set your goals and like we're going to chase stuff and i think that's we're that's what we're trying to do and so um, you know, we, we want to be in that mix, you know, come April to have a chance to go to the NSA tournament and hopefully if we can stay healthy, we maybe can do that. Yeah. Well, it looked great last year. No, it's a, your second year, uh, full-time here or not, sorry, full-time, but as the head coach, um, and it'll be exciting to see you guys out there. Uh, hopefully, uh, in, uh, sooner than later, uh, we can get yeah. going. <laughs> so absolutely. Well, I appreciate it, Eric. Uh, it's always a pleasure to talk. Um, and we'll be seeing you out there on the pitch. Thanks for listening to Talent Talk. Find the complete archive along with feature articles on unfospreys.com by going to fans and Talent Talk podcast series under the Multimedia tab.